Where's the manager? Welcome, Welcome to Motor Presents oh, that's right. Selling <laughs> Secrets. I intro- <laughs> We've only been doing this together for 10 years. I'm distracted. Welcome to Walzer Automotive Group's Car Selling Secrets, episode 128 for those keeping score at home. Joining, shit. <laughs> Joining us in studio today, to my right, is... I'm Billy Ward. Tom Ryan. Andy Rampernard. Mike Gelfin. And Tom Ryan Jr. <laughs> we'll be right back after this exciting commercial. Now, nobody talk because we're recording this for posterity. Actually, posterity. it's going to be on KQ next Monday. There you go. All the mics except for yours. All right. Dougie, how'd Burnsville and Coon Rapids Nissan do in April? Doug? Doug? Yeah, I'm sorry. must have dozed off. Well, not to be smug, but they finished first and second in the state again. Frankly, it's getting a little dull. Were your previous wives more attracted to your arrogance or lack of humility? Huh? Never mind. So what's going on this month? Well, I'm glad you asked. While we always talk about new cars, it's time to shine some light on used. Guess how many used cars we have between Coon Rapids and Burnsville Nissan? 200. More. Mm, 300. More. 400? More. You know, you're paying me to count, right? Yeah, good point. Uh, We have 600 used cars in stock, and nearly 200 of them are late-model, low-mile rogues. Most feature walls or care are 10-year, 150,000-mile powertrain warranty. But wait, there's more. Read this. Ask about our three-day return policy and 21-day exchange policy with over 600 used cars in stock, free powertrain warranty, and upfront pricing. You can't make a mistake at Burnsville Nissan and Coon Rapids Nissan. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know, And that's exactly my my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Hey folks, it's Brian Zepp, and spring is finally here. If you're like me, you're seriously ready for some wind therapy. Make sure you and your motorcycle are good to go with Dennis Kirk. Whatever you ride, Harley, Indian, Metric Cruiser, or Sport Bike, you'll find what you need at DennisKirk.com. 160,000 parts and accessories in stock, clothing and helmets too. Order before 8 p.m., and they ship the same day. Plus, shipping is free for orders over 89 bucks. Follow Zepp's lead and head to DennisKirk.com. They ship today. We are back, Car Selling Secrets. Uh, joining us for the first time in studio, I've known Billy for a long time, professional uh, used car inventory buyer for Walzer Automotive Group and a whole lot of other uh, people around the U.S. Billy, uh, it's a tradition, first time guests are in, they get to tell the story of their very first car. And oh. You can make it up if it's boring. 
Yeah. I have a feeling your st first car story is not going to be boring. No, actually, my first car I ever purchased was when I was 18 years old, and I joined the Marine Corps when I was 17. My father had to sign for me to go over into the service because you have to be 18, naturally. Yeah. Right. I ended up, uh, my duty station was in Okinawa, Japan. And I got to the island and didn't want to take buses all the time and started noticing all the other people on base with cars. So my first car was a Nissan 300Z. Really? With, with the driving <laughs> on, with, the, right on the other side. side. Correct. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yep. What year was it? Do you remember? Gosh. 18-something. 1898. <laughs> it was probably like a 1985. Yeah, oddly enough, those are becoming collectible now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the first generation always was, but that... that the clue been. was it was a Nissan, not a Datsun. Right. Yeah, that right. was the, yeah, there, there's the year right there. Well, uh, yeah, the Datsun was my biggest mistake uh, in terms of cars. Yeah, I had a Datsun. Uh, yeah, I purchased that, I think, when I was like a... a junior in college although i was never really a junior in college but that's Sixth another year. story yeah Sixth well, well it's my th it was my third year but i was still considered a freshman and that dotson was uh boy i'll tell you everybody on the road hated me driving too fast in the b210 hatchback right. well the thing is that car it was it was much it, was, it basically had the same kind of structure as the uh, as the corvair it was unsafe oh. at any speed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. We're showing our age a little bit with Datsun. I know. <laughs> Just a but little. But it was only called Datsun in the U.S. for whatever reason. They, they called it Nissan everywhere else in the world. But Correct. It's a 240Z, right? Was there, was yeah. That, Datsun? Yeah, that was the 240, first 260, 280. Right. Well, one, when was that Datsun era, though? Well, 70s. 70s. Yeah, they came. Yeah. I think the Patrol was actually the first Datsun sold in the U.S. It was kind of like a FJ40. And that was late '60s, but it, I and they changed it to Nissan in the U.S. I, I want to say '91 or '92. Well, I would oh, think, I think that's before. Was it? I think so. The I, only reason I could think is that Nissan sounds very Japanese, and we just come out of World War II, but we hadn't really. So, but I guess there was still a lot of lingering resentment in the '70s. <laughs> yeah, so. What lingering well, resentment? No, never heard of it's, it. It's entirely possible. Datsun sounds more like Korean to me. Whereas yeah. Nissan sounds very Japanese. I so. suppose. I have a Datsun story. You want to hear my Datsun we story? We also just came out of Korea, so. The Cosmic Cowboy. 1981 is when the go. Datsun okay. was phased out. Jesus, phased out in 81. We are a million. No, it was a long time ago. So I met my friend Cosmic born. Cowboy's house, right? And um, I hear this noise outside his window, and I look out there, and this guy's hanging a sign on the side of his apartment building. Apparently it was another room to rent or some damn thing. And Cosmic said, I'm going to go out there and find out what he's doing. So he goes out there, and he doesn't come back. And I'm like, what the hell is that all about? And he's still not back, still not back. So I figured, well, I better go look for him. I go outside, I go around the corner, I look up, and the landlord is still taping or nailing this sign to the side of the building, right? And he doesn't realize that he's standing on the hood of Cosmic's uh, Dotson to put the sign up there. So I look over to my left because I hadn't seen him yet. I was only looking up to my right. I look over to my left and there's Cosmic Cowboy with a 44 Magnum aimed right at the guy's head. I'm like, holy Christ. I was afraid you were going to say he overreacted. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't want to over it. Oh, he was not happy with that guy standing on his brand new Dotson, baby. Oh. 
Well, Billy doesn't buy Datsuns, but he buys a lot. Tom and I worked as used car buyers for at various times in our automotive career, and, and it's actually really kind of a fun job because you, you're, you, you try to find value that others miss, and it's very cutthroat. The travel kind of blows. But the stuff Tom and I would buy were kind of garden variety automobiles for the most part. Sometimes we'd buy something kind of fun. Billy flies in the stratosphere and buys a lot of Ferraris and Lamborghinis. Ooh. He's got connections all over the country and probably all over the world. In fact, he was the guy, if you remember, five or six years ago when you were looking for a great deal on a used luxury car, I called him up and he found the, oh, the Jaguar. Jaguar at the uh, uh, some estate deal okay, down Bill, in Florida. <laughs> you and I are going to have a little talk here uh -oh. because uh, I love that car and it's got very few miles on it. Took it in for service, Bill, down in Florida. Right. $10,000. They're not for the faint what? of heart. A Jaguar? No. Yeah, what a shock. service on the Jaguar was $10,000. Yeah, well, yeah. Remember the... Like, what? Remember, remember, That's not tires or anything, Bill. Wow. wow. Like, holy Christ. Hey, he just buys them. He doesn't build them. <laughs> yeah, I think it's time to trade it on one with a warranty. There you go. You remember the, the Jaguar joke, a really morbid joke in Mad Men? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was hysterical. <laughs> it was. I don't remember. Well, there's an English guy who... Uh, worked himself. at the no well that was later but prior um, he was the he found out he was broke yeah right and he was driving an E-type Jaguar and he go he goes to commit suicide or, uh, in the in the parking garage by sticking a hose from the tailpipe into the car right the Jag wouldn't start <laughs> <laughs> so well, I think the happen. next episode he hung himself in his office <laughs> I do remember that now. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Yeah, about that. that was mean joke, wasn't it? Oh, okay. Well, the Jags, though. What years were that? The Jaguars were terrible cars for about three, four years. Yeah, ago. they've gotten a lot better now. Yeah. Oh, they're a lot better. Yeah. Now, I do love that car you found, by the way. Oh, thank you. I do. I love that car. Good. And it looks brand new, and it's a 14, I think. 14 or 15, if 14 I remember correctly. Yep. Loved it. I still love that car. Good. But you owe me ten grand. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bill's got a cool job because those are, in my world, those are the fun cars. Yeah. Right. I yeah. mean, it's the stuff you all dream about. You look through the Dupont registry and kind of dream about cool stuff, and that's the stuff he's trading every day. Okay, so, that's great. Without giving away <clears throat> secret, how did how did you start in the Highline business? Because that's there's very few people that do what you do, right? That's a handful. Yeah, yeah, maybe five. Right. Right? So you get back from the service, and how did you get into the car business, and then how did you wind up in a, as a Highline expert? Well, I moved moved back with my mom and dad when I got out of the Marine Corps, and one morning I was laying in bed, and my dad opened up the door and, you know, put the blinds up and said, you're going to work. And I said, what do you mean? <laughs> I go, I've been working for four years. And he said, no, you're going to work. I bowl with a gentleman by the name of Brad Blaha, who was the fleet manager at Suburban Chevrolet and Hopkins when I was back oh, on the main drag. Yeah, sure. So my dad put me in the car, brought me to Suburban, introduced me to Brad. Brad introduced me to the general manager. They took me out front with a bucket and a hose and said, you're a lot, man, and start washing cars. And that's how I got in the car business. <laughs> That's a great so yeah. You didn't go from uh, lot guy to buying Jags and stuff. What was the in-between steps? No, you know, I've, I've done pretty much every job in a, in a car dealership. I've worked in parts, service. I've been in sales, finance, been a general manager, general sales manager. So I've wore all the hats. And, uh, you know, once you get a family and kids, you'd like to spend a little bit more time at home. As you all know, you know, retail car hours are very long. So 
I, you know, started buying some luxury cars and getting to know them better and things like that. And, and when about was that? Roughly, is ten this? years ago. Okay. But you know? Bill's office today is different than yours and mine. His floats and his forty feet on Lake Minnetonka. Oh. Oh. And so his world's a little different because everything's via cell phone. Yeah. So he yeah. doesn't need to be anywhere and can conduct business in the sunshine. That's uh, good and anywhere. bad when you have a fiance, though. Because the phone tends to ring after 5 o'clock when she's done working, and all my California people are calling, and then my people in Hawaii are calling after even later because the time changes. So, East Coast people are no big deal. I get at 11.30 at night when I'm looking at slacks from our Israel team. Like, what are you doing? Right. Keeping international relations safe, honey. (laughs) Right. Right. The life of an ambassador is a hard one. It's true. It's all I ever do. So, what have you got currently you're trying to sell? Well, well we've got- I, I follow him on Facebook because you just post these jaw-droppingly gorgeous photos of these super testy cars that I'll never be able to afford. But. Well, we've been stocking up. We've got some Ferraris that we'll be rolling out here when, when they're ready and some Porsche product and Lamborghini product and Rolls Royce product. Are they product. all builders? you got to put them back together? No, just- they're all complete and ready to go. <laughs> God, you know, I that's amazing you bring that up because I literally, for the first time, in probably five years, at least maybe ten years, I saw a brand new Rolls Royce on the street in Minneapolis. What color was it? Do you remember, Tom? Was it kind of like a dark gray, maybe? Okay. Well, you sold. I'm it. just trying to figure out. <laughs> it's a good <laughs> chance. Yeah. You know who drives one? Yeah. Um, your buddy, Mr. Humphreys. Chris. Williamson? Oh yeah, he's got he's a, got he's a oh, white. Chris has got one. He's yeah. got a white Ghost. Yeah, he's got one. Yeah. It's a spectacular car. I see it every day. He's my neighbor. Yeah. Oh, Chris is your neighbor. Yep. So you deal with William and Chris and all the, all the fellas. Oh, yeah, they're all good guys. Yeah, they are. They do a nice job. No doubt about that. You had a roller at one time, didn't you? In Florida. Never in yeah. Minnesota. We always, the standing joke, do you know the difference between a Porsche and a porcupine? What? The pricks on the outside of the porcupine. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good call. That's a good call right there. That's but awesome. Those cars are amazing. Andy, Andy thought he was riding around in the living room whenever he was in the back seat of that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think the back seat was bigger than most cars. So, and Rolls Royces are all going to be all electric starting next year too. Yeah. Are so, they really? So, so the gas ones are selling for over MSRP now by a hundred thousand on some. Now, that's one thing that I've never, that it's a little different. So in most manufacturers, uh, if you're a dealer, you've got the right to sell the car for whatever price you want. There's some advertising restrictions, like if you have a Mercedes store, you can't advertise under MSRP, but you're free to sell them pretty much for as much as you want. But in certain lines, like I know Ferrari, and there's probably more, if you, and correct me if I'm wrong, it'd be better if you just explain it, but I, I think it is if you're a dealer and you're selling cars over MSRP, they'll cut your allocation or, or yank your franchise. Correct. Right? For, Ferrari, for sure. Porsche's a little bit more lenient on it, and Lamborghini, even, even Rolls-Royce. The only manufacturer that's really dead set on you have to sell an, M, sell an MSRP is Ferrari. And, so, and they also, um, you, I don't want to say you apply to get it, but you, you they have a check and balance system that if you you have to give your driver's license and a fair amount of cash and then ferrari approves the order or doesn't oh okay and then you have to agree to hold these cars for a period of time or you go so on if you're the selling list. there and a guy makes you an offer you have to say i, I need to go check with my italian yeah <laughs> you do and uh and then they come back and because there's you don't buy anything and get it right you buy it and get it in a year 
or two. Oh, sure. And so then, and then you you have to agree to hold it, or you can't order new cars again. And then if you do sell it in your holding period, you'll be blackballed to every Ferrari dealer in the United States, and you'll never buy new, another yeah. new Ferrari again. Really? But used Ferraris and late model ones with virtually no miles on them are selling sometimes hundreds of thousand dollars over MSRP, but it's on a kind of a weird used car market, right? Correct. Did you hear about that poor guy? I can't remember what kind of car it was. Andy might be able to look it up. But yesterday he bought himself a $703,000 car. I can't remember what kind it was. might have been a Lamborghini. Lasted one pull out of the driveway. Whoa. Pulled out of the driveway and ran right into a palm tree. Wow. <laughs> that happens to a lot of those cars. Yeah. God, that makes me so sad. Yeah, yeah. I can see the yeah. sadness in your eyes, Mike. There's no doubt. I, I had a car one time that I uh, I was I had my own place before I joined the Walzers, and it was right behind Bunnies in St. Louis Park. And I'm closing up my shop one day, and I've got a 1996 911 Turbo S, which is oh, like God. the rarest of the rare <laughs> air-cooled cars. And I get a phone call, and I'm getting ready to leave. And I say, Ward Automotive, can I help you? And he's like, hi, I'm calling about your Turbo S and the DuPont registry. And I said, can I ask who I'm talking to? He says, Nicholas Cage. And I'm like, yeah, sure it is. And he's, like, <laughs> he's like, no, this is Nick. I'm on set right now. I want to buy this car. And I said, sure you do. And he said, no, I'm serious. Sure you do. <laughs> and uh, he said, I'll have my agent call you tomorrow and we'll wire you the money. And, and sure as shit, the next day I got the call from the agent. They wired the money about the car. But it gets better than this. So I shipped the car out to Beverly Hills where he lives, and this is when he was marrying Lisa Marie Presley. Oh, sure, yeah. And uh, my cousin, who lives in Newport, calls me about a week later and goes, Oh, my God, your car's on TV. And I go, well, What are you talking about? Well, Nicholas Cage and his new wife, Lisa Remy, were, were out um, at a restaurant, and someone from the Valley stand had sold, st stole the car got in an accident and wrapped it around a tree and had a Ward Automotive plate on the back. So <laughs> <laughs> you guys will do anything for a free right, 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 exactly. Anything for advertising. Exactly. The car that Dad was talking about uh, was a 2006 Heritage Edition Ford GT. Uh, $700,000. Apparently there were only 340 of them yeah. in the world. Uh, and yeah, about... About a month after buying it. Oh, is that so, what it was? What year yeah. was it again? 2006. Yep. So it's the the uh, like the Gulf blue color. Gulf oil. Yep. 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 Exactly. Yep. Yeah. He uh, and apparently he didn't even crash it in an exciting way. The crash happened at 35 miles an hour when he couldn't figure out how to shift into second gear. <laughs> wow. <laughs> The new Ford GTs, those have a two-year waiting period. Yeah. So those, oh, really? cars, those cars are 600000 You wait two years. Mm -hmm. When you're done, they put a lien on your car from Ford Motor Company yeah. directly when you buy it, even if you pay cash for it. You get your lien release two years later, you're welcome to sell your car, and it's worth double what you paid. So if you're lucky enough to get one, that's a good investment. Yeah. That's amazing. I was a temporary. I ran Walzer Ford for about 15 minutes, I think, before they sold we it all back. Did. We all did. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there it you was, go. That was under my uncle's. That place was just <laughs> yep. cursed. Yep. But uh, that was just bet when I came back to Walzer in 04, and that was that year that they came out with the first homage to the GT40. Um, you know why they can't, they don't call them GT40s? No, why? Ford never trademarked the name. Somebody bought the trademark. Hmm. The GT40 really? is the car that's in Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah. It's probably the most iconic oh, okay. Ford made, and it's very distinctive looking. So in 04 through 06 or so, I think they had another run of, of very similar looking cars, and then, and then a little bit later than that. So, 
Gorgeous automobiles, but uh, you n- probably need to learn how to shift them before you, yeah, you would think yeah. write the $750,000 check. Well, he also had a suspended license, and the vehicle was unregistered. So, oh. you know, <laughs> he didn't do a whole lot of due diligence before Sounds operating. like a general sales manager. <laughs> <That> vehicle. <laughs> Nothing beats a frame-damaged million-dollar car. Right? Yeah. yeah, the entire front end of the car is gone, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's the passenger compartment and the trunk. Well, they weren't yeah. exactly designed to take hits. Yeah, they're designed well. to go really fast, so, so they're yeah. aluminum and as light as they can make yeah. them. They're, yeah, they're basically made out of air. My so, first you know. job at uh, selling cars was at Southdale Ford, which was pretty much run by felons at the time. Oh. I didn't know any better. <laughs> Do I know oh, no, really. Most of them are either in prison or dead now. Now, wait a minute. Um, My father-in-law was a salesman there. Was he really? Yeah. And he never went to prison. Even Who if was he, that? Even Who was your father-in-law? Had, well, his name was Bob Geiger. Well, I know Bob. Probably. Really? Yeah. He was there when I started, oh, and, and right. he came with a store. That's your father-in-law. He's yeah. a great guy. So Bob Geiger was a brush-cut 70-year-old guy, never took ups, and sold 25 cars a month just on repeat and referral That's business. right. Yeah. Wow. And if you were in the bathroom taking a leak... Bob Geiger would often just open the oh, door and turn that. the lights off. It yeah. was his favorite. And you'd hear him laughing, walking. Oh, guys, oh, oh, oh. that German sense of humor. Huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, my God, he's marrying, she's marrying a Jew. Good night, noise. She's yeah, marrying yeah. a Jew. So, so he, he would. God, I, this is a small I, world. I mentioned this before, but so I felt compelled to buy Fords sure. from, from Bob Geiger, my father-in-law. And, and. This is during a long period when Fords were not very good. Do you have a Maverick? Uh, I had a Maverick. I thought you had a Maverick. I had a Maverick. I thought so. In fact, it was the Maverick. Uh, I bought the Maverick. And, we'll get back to the Ferraris and, later, Billy. Right. Yeah, the hell with that. This is, this, is, this is for the people, right? And so, so like, it's got like 32,000 miles on it, and the U-joint snaps. Oh. Now, that's not supposed to happen. No. So I call him up and I say, uh, you know, uh, that uh, that uh, piece of scrap metal you sold me, uh, I said, uh, it's uh, the U-joint just snapped. And he said, well, uh, how many miles does it have? And I said, well, 32,000 miles. He said, oh, well, you can't expect it to last more than 32,000 miles. <laughs> <laughs> A U-joint. Whoever heard of it? Well, especially the way you drive. Now, some of us in the room probably would be prone to tear up you joints. I sold that stuff back then. Oh, I did too? In the 70s. Oh, so you were involved. Way to go. I remember I was in Southdale, Florida. It was 25 below zero and a nice northerly breeze. And I upped some guy, which is car slang for waiting on a customer, and he wants to test drive a new tempo. And we the first generation was carbureted. They never started. So I tried to jump start 15 of them. Couldn't get any of them to go. And I said, I'm sorry, it's just too cold. Maybe, you know, come back when it's a little warmer and we can take one for a drive. The guy came back and bought one. I, I remember wow, thinking to myself. In spite of you. <laughs> why? why? <laughs> right. That Did was, you need a car that doesn't start? <laughs> right. When you worked there, was that back when Frothingham and Palmerville went it? No. Uh, well, uh, Frothingham followed Palmerville. No, it was uh, it was John Palmerville and his brother who had uh, Viking Chevrolet right here. Right here. They were uh, oh, sister stores. Oh, God, they were terrible. What in fact, <laughs> I went up to Viking Chev. I was living in Highland Park at the time because they had you know, an ad in the paper wanted looking for salespeople. And I thought, you know, I can save up money for grad school, which is why I was selling cars. I go up there. It's surrounded by... 
people my age and that remember the olive trench coats that were popular in the car world and the fake Rolexes. There's 10 of these guys standing outside smoking cigarettes in the rain. And I pull in and the guy ups me and I said, no, I'm not here to look at cars. I'm here to apply for a job. And he goes, you don't want to work here, kid. This place sucks. <laughs> so I get in my car and I said, well, let's try the Ford store. Maybe that place doesn't suck. Officer Dave wants to know if Bill needs a driver. Yeah, Officer Dave is a uh, regular listener to the show. He's been as, in as a guest a couple of times. He also drives a 5.0 Mustang and stuff, so he's into testy cars. Very cool. And the guy's like 6'5 and 305% body fat. So if you're out in God, the... He well, big. he's kind of in your neighborhood, actually. I won't tell you exactly what uh, jurisdiction, but be nice to him. Will we'll do. <laughs> Did you hear about Dave Schrader? Huh? Sitting in your chair on Tuesday, that was Andy? Right? Uh, yeah. Sitting in your chair, and I look over, and the door is opening. Nobody knocked. The door is just open, right in the middle of the podcast. And all I saw was a massive gun. Oh. Right? I look over there. Schrader's like, Officer Dave walks in. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought, I thought you were going to say Dave got busted for no. having too many children. This guy <laughs> has Because he's got 10. Gun. You're well over the limit. So 11. 11 oh, he could live in my neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. But I'm sure he has 11 for a different reason. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. But he, when Officer Dave walked in, that entire frame fills up, mm-hmm. right? I thought Schrader was going to piss his pants. I, mean, he, <laughs> I, I said, did you do something wrong? Oh, is Officer Dave with us? Yes. I thought I heard him laughing in the background. Nope. Oh, I don't know who it was. Maybe it was me going, <laughs> maybe it was Oliver Hardy. <laughs> One thing about that that confuses me is, so I'm not that tall, and I'm certainly not big, and I can barely fit into most high-performance vehicles. Yeah. Him getting into something <laughs> like that, I just don't understand. He, he needs a tall man package. It's, yeah, do you have to, like, raise the roof on those things? <laughs> yeah. or? No, they actually do for the, the NBA players. They oh, have, I'm sure. They have oh, tall I man package. Oh, so God, they, seven feet tall. They, you they, literally they lift the seats up off, and then they put them back, and then they mount them back into the seats, so hmm. push it back for them. Really? You know, we ought to take, probably take a quick break, huh? Mm-hmm. My goodness. 22 minutes burned by. We'll be right back after these exciting words from our sponsors. Tom here for Shift Real Estate. I met the folks from Shift Real Estate last year on our way to Key West and loved their story. Shift Real Estate saves home sellers thousands of dollars on real estate fees because they list for a flat fee of $5,000, and that includes photos, MLS listing, online marketing, and the assistance of a full-time realtor. Tell Shift about your home, and they will tell you how you can save $10,000 or more. Shift Real Estate, the common-sense way to sell your home. Visit Shift2Sell.com because life is expensive enough. And we are back with Stretch's picks. You know, Tom, uh, there's a lot of analysis that goes into these picks. Yeah. And uh, I highly recommend betting, of course. I always recommend betting. Yeah, absolutely. So who's winning this thing? The kitties, the pack, the bears, or the purple? None of the above. Those are all the teams in the division. I know that. Well, who's your pick? I'm going with Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. What? It's not a football team. I know, but it's a hell of an HVAC company. They do the most thorough system tune-up in the industry. Sabre is one of the largest Bryant dealers in the state, which means you save. Yep, I'm going with Sabre, Sabre and Bryant, doing whatever it takes to keep you comfortable. It's also the smartest time to call and schedule your furnace tune-up with Sabre. Get the most thorough tune-up in the industry from the people who keep my home comfortable. So, uh, one more thing, Tom. What's that? Visit SaberHeating.com. 
Tom here for Continuum Weight and Well-Being. If you were like me and constantly finding yourself in weight loss mode, I have great news. Continuum is here. It's new and they're doing it differently. There are no meal replacements or foods you're required to purchase. They specialize in customizing meal plans for you using all whole nutritious foods. They don't just focus on weight loss. They are upfront with their pricing. And most importantly, Continuum is designed for long-term success. Schedule a free consultation. Find out more today. Simply go to their website, Continuum Weight weightwellbeing.com or call or text them at 952-491-6527 and catch the Continuum team on my podcast on Thursdays, 11.15 a.m. I've learned so much from them, and I know you will too. Continuum Weight and Wellbeing Life Beyond Weight Loss Mode. We are back. Car Selling Secrets on a, I think it's a nice Thursday. We're finally getting some spring weather here. With uh, We're in shorts, so what does that tell you? Cloudy and 61. Uh, I'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. And we go to full summer next week. Um, in studio, Tom asked uh, if we could get our friend Tom Ryan to tell our friend Mike the story of how he met one of the most reclusive, <laughs> famous authors in American history. Just say, no, I don't feel like it. Yeah, so uh, obviously some of you have heard this, but um, when Jack Jablonski got hurt, my kids were at Benilde and were in the same class. And so it was really a big deal at that time. I've collected books for a very long time. And my son and my daughter said, is there anything we can do to help out? And I said, you know, I'm happy to donate books if the authors will sign them. And so I went to my wife and I said, will you get me a card of some sort and she said who are you writing to and i said i'm going to write a note to harper lee ah no you're right uh, i said Truman Capote. Capote. yeah well they were next door neighbors yeah. as and, it turns out she she most people don't know it but you know she actually uh she actually helped uh, help truman capote uh do the research for, for cold, cold water, water. yeah, yeah. Right. and she never got any credit for no. it because right. truman capote was not always a great guy not no. always interesting so anyway um I wrote this letter, and in trying to find her, I found her sister, Alice, uh, who is her attorney in Monroeville, Alabama. Monroeville, right. And so I picked the middle of two, three zip codes and made no address and sent it to Harper Lee. Mm-hmm. And about three weeks went by, and I remember on a Saturday morning, I pulled up to the mailbox, and there was a note from Bug Barnett Carter and Lee Law Office, and I thought, oh, shit, now what? More, <laughs> more paternity suits for time. Exactly. In Alabama? I don't even remember. Um, and so um, it was her attorney, and her name was uh, Tanya Carter. And she said, you know, uh, got your note, and Nell is not a public figure, but was very moved by Jack's story. And if you would be willing to get a, um, a letter from his principal or his priest, um, send the books. And so I did. Mm-hmm. And over the course of a couple of years, we became pretty good friends. And Nell had requested uh, a whole bunch of pictures of Jack and all kinds of stuff. And then one day, uh, throughout my travels, I travel for work. She asked if, I, if I'm ever in Alabama and I could see that coming. And I said, all the time. Of course, I've never, <laughs> never been. been there. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so anyway, uh, she said, maybe you'd like to come and have lunch. Um, and so I flew into uh, Alabama, or um, and I, I, it was a, quite a deal. I was led to several locations before I would actually meet her. And so I was in her actual office, and uh, her Medal of Freedom was in the ah. 
apothecary and there was I was just by myself and Tanya was in the next room and I yelled to her and I said, is anything in here off limits? And she said, no, why? And I said, then I'm going to put this metal on. <laughs> and so I did. <laughs> um, and then we went over uh, to a, well, it was a small yellow, it was more like a house, but it was assisted living. Mm-hmm. And um, it looked like an older lady with a $4 haircut sitting in, a, and it was Harper Lee. God. Wow. And so, uh, yeah, it was quite a deal. And there were even... That's great. Uh, that's a great story. Cool. Yeah. So it was fun. And she uh, sent me, I got, uh, you know, she had a second book, which was truly a first book right. called Go Set a Watchman. Yeah, which <clears throat> some yeah. people don't think she wrote it. But, yeah. Uh, I, and I, well, I know Tanya well, and, and Tanya's who kind of did all, but she sent me a couple of them signed. Mm-hmm. And so I have those, which are, and I have quite a few uh, Mockingbird book signed as well but it was wow for a guy if you're into that it was you know it's iconic it's um it's a great story yeah it's just it was awesome and uh, you know kind of a treat to be able to to meet her and didn't you tell me that her sister told you that they rarely even open these letters because they get cases of them right yeah so i on the way back from lunch i said to tanya how did this go down and i said she said well i'll show you and there was a wooden box, I suppose two and a half, three feet long, maybe 18 inches across, uh, equal in height. And she said, those are the letters from this week. She said, we get about 100,000 pieces a year. And I said, who responds? And she said, well, it's my job. And she said, now ask me how many have responded. And I said, how long have you been here? And she said, 17 years. And I said, excuse me, how many have you responded to? And she said, in 17 years, one, yours. Wow. Really? Yeah. And I said, so how did that work? And she said, you'd have to ask someone much higher up than me. But one day I walked in, and I have no idea why, but I reached down in the box and grabbed a letter, and it was yours. God, that's amazing. And it turned out that her nephew had been paralyzed in an auto accident, which the same age as Jack. And I think it connected uh-huh. with her, and then she brought that to uh, Nell, and and since then there have been no others either, and it, so it was that was the be. one and only. Yeah, it was just a really weird. You know, you know, it's incredible. And when you walked in, I thought you were just another car seller schmuck. <laughs> well, I am. Don't be fooled by the fancy stories. Right. Um, well, there you yeah. have Yeah. Um, oh God! No, I uh, love to read, and I've collected them for a long time. And yeah, um, yeah, it's just it was awesome. It was pretty well, cool. Well, I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, I worked with a guy who wrote a book named Mark Rosen. There you go. <laughs> he wrote a book. You know, did he? Yeah. Uh, the other one that was actually kind of funny is I sent a bunch of books to John Grisham. Oh, yeah. And uh, I had them signed, and I was sitting at home. It was about my wife's birthday, um, I remember it, and I got a note, an email from John Grisham, and I thought, yeah, of course it is. It's johngrisham.com or something. (laughs) And so uh, I opened it, and he said, Tom, I'm signing your books, and there are three Winwood copies of A Time to Kill, which are fairly rare books. Mm -hmm. And he said, if you want to sell them, I'll give you 
$12,000 for the three. Ooh. And so I sent back a note and said, I'm, I'm happy. I said, aren't they worth more? They're signed first. Um, which, uh, <laughs> you were right. He is a sleeper. Yeah, 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 yeah. Car salesman. Yeah. Um, anyway, All right. I knew that was coming. And so uh, I got a no, but then I, I said, I want to know the story of why you want to buy your own books. Mm-hmm. And it turned out he self-published The Time to Kill, 5,000 copies, and the deal he made with four booksellers, if they don't sell them, he would buy them back. They did, the book didn't sell. He bought them back, uh, put them in his garage. His garage flooded. He lost all of the books. Um, And then he was right. He was in the House of Representatives in Mississippi, and he wrote a second book called The Firm. And The Firm sold the movie rights before they published the book, and then Doubleday bought the rights to A Time to Kill and was republished. So the original first editions were um, gone. Yep. And so I sold them. His books for four thousand dollars a piece, three of them. Yeah. Who paid the postage? <laughs> I covered the postage. Yeah, well, actually, he already up. had them, but I did send him all the books. <laughs> all right. He just sent back a check. So it was really eleven thousand nine hundred. Yeah, which was I thought was kind of funny because <laughs> then, which it, you know, I thought, well, there's no way, you know, it's some company. And oh, it was a personal check from John and Renee Grisham. Um, no big deal. But he's quite the baseball guy, so he built. In Charlottesville, I went out to his office, um, and he's got these palatial baseball diamonds, several of them, and he sponsors the whole Little League. It's like uh-huh. it's a whole complex, um, and he's the whole deal. Wow. Um, and way into baseball. Way, I always wanted to be a major league ball player. Hmm. You mean like my Minnesota Twins, three and a half games up? Is that what you're talking about? And not quite Surely that good, Tom probably. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Don't but an interesting guy. You don't need to wax the fire engine yet. I yeah. won't. I went right to the ticket office. <laughs> yeah. Well, someday I'll tell my story about having dinner with Gay Talese, but it's, it's not as good. Not, I like Gay Talese. What was the name of that first book he put out? Gay Talese's first book? Yeah. Um, well, Something to do with the mafia. Um, yeah, I can't. What the hell was it? The, the first book of his I read was the anthology of, of the, the incredible magazine pieces he wrote. Oh, yeah. You know, like the, the, there was one about uh, Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra has a cold. At, uh, it's portraits in fame and obscurity. And that is, if you've never read anything by Gay Talese, that's one you just got to read. It is yeah. it is so fascinating, and he of course was, uh, you know, we were talking about Truman Capote, but they were both kind of pioneers of what was called the new journalism, yeah, and which basically was the the use of fiction narrative, but but actual facts. So it was a rare art form, and it, it didn't really catch on much because there's so few few people who can pull it off. I suppose that's true. Other than Hunter S. Thompson. <clears throat> oh, well, yeah. well, of course. You, you know what else is a great, I don't know if you've seen the um, one of my favorite authors, John Krakauer, uh, wrote Under the Banner of Heaven, mm-hmm. which is now a um, um, movie or a series. Um, hmm. And that's an awesome, I, I mean, it's about the Lafferty brothers and the Mormon right. culture. <clears throat> yep. That's a crazy book. Yeah, um, no doubt about that. It's just an interesting tale. No question. Billy, other than Nick Cage, have you sold cars to any other famous people? Well, we've got a few that we've done. We've done business with uh, Ellen DeGeneres. She's one of our clients. What do you buy? I actually buy from her. 
Oh, you do. So, but and it's kind of interesting because she, her, she has everything in a trust, and her trust is called zero trust because she trusts nobody, <laughs> other than you for some <laughs> reason. Right. <laughs> Odd choice. <laughs> Who else? Oh God, let me think here. Over the years, well, lots of ball players, a lot of football players, a lot of Minnesota Vikings, Twins. Oh yeah, they don't count. Uh, <laughs> so we were talking about Harper I, Lee, and now that Charlie, <laughs> Charlie Shane. Charlie Sheen. Oh, Charlie Sheen. Oh, we, we ended up buying all of her, his three goddesses cars when he had those girlfriends that all lived with him at the same time when, oh, they, when he yeah. broke up the with them. The Tiger Blood era. Yeah, yeah, and he sold all the cars, and they all had like 100 miles on them, so they didn't really drive them. God. I don't think they could drive in the state they were in back then. <laughs> Not you know? old enough. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, they're only 14. <laughs> right. They have their license yet. Wow. God, what a business. What a world, what a world. That's all I have to say. Right? Yeah. So if, if anybody's listening and interested in uh, late model ultra luxury cars and wants yeah. to connect with Billy, you can just email me at dougatwalzer.com and I will connect the he two He does have together. the world's coolest stuff. I know. I mean, it is nothing shy. There, I saw the pictures. There's like Ferrari SF90s, which is the cool new hybrid car, which is absolutely impossible to get. That's what Mike wanted, but they don't make a yellow one, I guess. Um, well, Bill could get her done. <laughs> um, yeah, we're we're gonna be. I'm gonna go to a car show on Saturday at Midwest Clearbrow in Plymouth for the Porsche Club of Minneapolis, which will be a great one if anybody wants to attend. That'll Where's lot, that at, Bill? Right, right on Midwest Clearbrow, which is in Plymouth, right on uh, Highway 55 and 494. No, are okay. these the guys I hear drag racing at 3 a.m. on Saturdays? No, not those guys. Good. No, <laughs> but they can wrap a Maverick. <laughs> yes, they can. It's uh, the Maverick. Through. I never should have admitted it. Did you have roll down windows in it, didn't you? Well, what do you mean? Were there any other kind? Not in that modern Mavericks. I think they all had roll down windows. Yeah, yeah. God. <laughs> but they didn't always work. No, they did not all drink. That's a fact. No. What color was yours? Was it blue? Most of them were blue. It was. It was brown. Brown. Oh yeah. Yeah. Perhaps the grabber package. The what was that? The Maverick grabber. Do you remember that? I that do. was the hot. It, well, that's an oxymoron, right? A hot maverick. Um, that's <laughs> yeah. something that, two words that have never been said no, together. That's, that's for um, sure. But it was a. Uh, sporty version of it was sort of the answer to a question that nobody has mm -hmm. uh, a cool maverick yeah that's uh, that's rare yeah but they did that was a car yeah oh yeah it was a very they yeah. sold a lot of them i mean they weren't they were based on the mustang platform yeah, it was kind of a cool little a car body. people would say to me you bought that car <laughs> and it was exactly the same inflection when i was about to go out with my wife to to a gathering when she'd say you're going out dressed like that? <laughs> no, we've got all the luxury uh, new car deals down in Wichita, and they had a local event. There's a lot of there's a lot of money in Wichita. There's a big chasm between the haves and the have-nots. Well, they got there. the coal company, and it's a big big aerospace kind. Yeah. Of. yeah. Well, and the Koch brothers. Koch brothers. Yeah. Right in fact, the one of them built a, a palace, and it's got to be what an Three acres square, and when you drive by it, it's this huge cement wall all the way around it. I, it's basically giving the middle finger to the gal that stood him up for the junior prom. Um, 
Yeah, where was I going with the story of the Wichita? God, I just now I forgot. You remembered your junior senior moment. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. Damn it. We can talk slower, story. Dougie. It's I was okay. in a restaurant once there, and I and I asked what kind of salads they had, and they kicked me out. <laughs> I remember now. So they had a car show there called the Million Dollar Club or something, and people would all the local car collectors would bring stuff in. And a guy in town owns the uh, serial number one 1967 Camaro, which is a conic muscle car, right? Yep. The very first one they made, three on the tree, nowhere, no power steering or windows, and it's stick around brown. It's oh. like the ugliest damn. It's like how did this? You decided to make this one for your first one. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's crazy. But it's good. Cars worth five million dollars just because it's rare. Now, Ford's making a Maverick truck now, right? right? They brought the nameplate back. Uh, kind of a smart move. The, uh, the, high, the, the base Maverick pickup truck is MSRP at twenty grand, I think, plus yeah, freight. I think that's right, yeah. Um, and they have a hybrid version that's a little bit more than that. It gets 40 miles to the gallon. So it's affordable. It's, you know, it's not really a full-frame pickup truck, but it's certainly useful for what a lot, what a lot of people would use light-duty trucks for. And you can't get them. They're, they sold them. They sell them before they come in. So, But that's that's kind of true of the new carpet world in most places, unless you're unfortunate enough to run a Fiat store. Nobody's got inventory right now other than Fiat because the cars are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> are they really? I've never even ridden in a Fiat. I don't think I have either. I, I don't know. The fi- you know, the 500 was, that was supposed to be their return to the U.S., and they were aiming it at 35-year-old single women is who they thought they'd buy them. It was all 70-year-old white dudes that bought them. I mean, they missed the market. Here. Actually, Toyota did the same thing happen with the RAV4. They thought that was going to be the young person's kind of sport utility vehicle it's the vehicle retired librarians was that since the day it rolled out and still is so but yeah the mavericks are hot there it's kind of a ford's on a roll right now are they really oh, so yeah. Dave has oh. something to say i don't know how to parse this so i'm just going to say it and you can tell we'll me decode it sense. Okay. yes we can he says he knew a kid that put a 351 cleveland in a maverick okay uh, and they had to pull the engine to change the spark plugs. Yeah. <laughs> so that so, was a big V8 it's a power plant. But made at the Cleveland plant, right. which was had more power than the other 351 was made in Canada at the Windsor plant. So oh, yeah. Uh, Ford guys are referred to them as Cleveland. See, see I hear 351 Cleveland. What do I think of Cecil's? Cecil's. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cecil's say, Yeah. 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 Like the best place in the world over there. It's I loved it. Willie's American Guitar yeah. over there in the same neighborhood. It's yeah. awesome. There isn't, you know, since the Lincoln Dell's gone. Right. Piss me off. Yeah. No. Cecil's is all there is. Well, the Crossroads, too. Yeah, sort of, but they, like don't, they just yeah. can't dial the matzo ball soup in no. Crossroads. Not like Lincoln Dell. No. You're right. One of the you're only right. restaurants, too, that you got to walk through the kitchen to use the bathroom downstairs. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although I was just at Borders not too long ago, and I had to do the same thing at Borders huh. over there in uh, South Minneapolis. Borders I didn't know you know how to read. Yeah. Well, you know, I, <laughs> right? I love the Lincoln Deli, even when they had the, the, the digital cash register, you know, and, and the price of your meal could go up between the time you ate it and the time you, you, you paid for it. Can I tell you, my I love this story. I'm sorry. <laughs> Sounds like a used car sale. <laughs> yeah. Lincoln Dell over on Minnetonka Boulevard, first day working with Jeff Passalt, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I said, let's go out and have a little lunch, get to know you a little bit better. So we go over there, and we're having lunch. And this friend of mine, 
who uh, not one but two crutches. Neither leg worked all that well. I'd known him for years and years and years, but he saw us and he was coming over. I suppose he wanted to meet Jeff or something like that, right? And I will never forget the look on Jeff Passold's face because he really didn't know me very well. But my friend keeps coming, and I just kind of look away and then look at him. And he gets to the table, and he comes up and he goes, Hey, how you doing? And I went, hey, fuck off. <laughs> the look on Passolt's face. <laughs> he was just mortified. He's a pretty straight guy. Oh, yeah, you got a guy with two crutches. Yeah, right. And you're yeah. telling the fuck off. I used to love to go to the Lincoln Dell after the show on Mondays because all the bookies. Oh, yeah. We'll get together oh, there. Oh, yeah. And it was, every, you know, like no matter how much money they made, show, how about you, Sam? Oh, I got killed. I got killed. No. Well, that's too bad. What about Schmeckle there? What? How'd you do? Schmeckle. He said, oh, I tell you, I, 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 no vacation this year for me. I got murdered. Everybody won except me. And they, you know, and yet there they were every there week. They were. So I don't know. God, I love that place. Uh, Steve, he sends me a, a Christmas card every year. The Sun. Remember the oh, Sun? Oh, really? Yeah, he sends me a Christmas card every year. Yeah, I get a Christmas card from Danny every year. And yeah. Danny Danny sends one, too. Yeah. Yep, you're absolutely right. Danny Berenberg sends, sends a Christmas card every year. I love those guys. Well, our, one of our stores, Dell. you know, our Toyota store is the old Lincoln Dell on 494. 494, yeah. Oh, yeah, so you yep. were the ones who uh, we put them out destroyed of them yeah. by so, offering them $6 million. Right. Lincoln right. Dell and the Rusty Scupper. Oh, oh, yeah. That's right, the Scupper. Tore it down. You tore down the Scupper. Oh, my I did God. some damage in the Scupper back in the day. Not <laughs> you. <laughs> God, the, what, what great I, I can't tell the story. I'll get in trouble. <laughs> Never mind. You are. Already have, so you I might know, as well tell I'm it. Not, not tell. <laughs> you know what happened the first time I walked in a Rusty Scupper? Hmm. Fight? You guys all no, wasn't the fight. You guys would all know exactly who this is, but I'm not gonna say it on the air. I walk in and I say, Hey, how you doing? I said his name, <clears throat> which I'm not gonna say now. Hey, how you doing? He goes, Sammy. I look down and he has his schwanz on the bar. Nice. What? Like, he had his penis out and laid it on the bar. Like you know, oh, hey, look at the top. Those, those were the days. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those were the I mean, days. you couldn't get away with that today. You know, when no. I first started working at Walzer, our friend DJ used to. Oh, yeah. He was known for that. He was oh, a general really? sales manager. And, wipe out the wiener. He, he, you know, some people can drink a lot. Some people just lose their mind after one beer. What Two you drinks. Well, I just for you, <laughs> you know, know make people. sure you're listening. Some right. I'm just trying to be courteous. <laughs> Boy. And he would we were all at Rupert's, a whole bunch of us, and he's kind of Rupert's loved it. Metropolitan. Sure. I look up and he's following a female server through the club with his nah. lower oh, unit hanging that's out. That's not a good so idea. Not, he would just I don't know. It, like, apparently it just liked to be free. <laughs> it's also illegal, but well, you know, yeah, I know. You can't have a problem. It would be a way not, not to be go free. to jail. I don't know. Well, I know. it was the 80s. Yeah. I tell you, I wouldn't want to do that during the uh, during happy hour, you know, when they had the little cocktail wieners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You'd get them too. You might get the, the, might eat the wrong one. I'm just thinking about mistaken identity. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Comparison. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, this one screams. Ouch. Look at that. You, man, your show burns. Burned through. right through it. Well, when you bring in good guests that have interesting stories, exactly. it goes by quickly. And yeah. Tom, too. Yeah. yeah. And Tom. <laughs> yep. Exactly. <laughs> it just goes, yep. 
We'll be back next week. I uh, don't have any guests lined up. The following week, how, uh, week however, uh, Scott Lambert will be returning. For, oh, I like Scott. Oh, right in the, the middle uh, of the auto show, which I think starts a week from this Saturday. It's at the Fair. Oh State gosh. Fairgrounds yeah, again. It is. That's wow. a good call, I think. By yeah, the way. they'll. Ne- I'm, they're That's never going to go back to the auditorium. Nope. That's just. They can do so many more cool things, and Scott will be in two weeks to talk about uh, the auto show. So thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you next week. Over and out. Thanks, guys.